That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. I'm Stephen Colbert. And I'm Tim Rigby. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast devoted to rewatching, dissecting, discovering, rediscovering, and re rediscovering Zack Snyder's Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice one minute at a time. As you will have heard in our introduction, uh, typically it's, it's Stephen and I dissecting this movie. Uh, by ourselves, but we are delighted to have a special guest with us for for this episode, potentially several episodes to come, Mr. Tim Rigby, uh, assistant stunt coordinator on this incredible film. Yeah, I've I've really loved getting to talk to uh to people that are involved in stunts when uh when kind of looking at how this stuff comes together because their involvement in the movie is so fascinating because they're involved on like a filmmaking level but in in a much more technical way than like a lot of like any of the the cast is really and so stunt people it it seems like conversations with them are always way more like technical film stuff it's not just like jumping and punching and tim especially i was told he'd be a great person to talk to because um he designed the uh, batmobile chase and was involved in all sorts of other stuff with the batmobile design itself as as we'll find out I mean, just look at his IMDb. <laughs> I know, Dice. I know that you were I, I, the, jubilant seeing all the <laughs> stuff that he he is he's done that Triple uh, X and uh, Ghost of Mars and yeah, <laughs> uh, Matrix and Three Hundred and yeah, so lots of experience, but lots of Zach experience also, and so we were excited to talk to him about that specifically. Yeah, like like everybody that works with Zack Snyder, it seems he he has no ego and is uh, happy to to have his brain picked for for all yes. the details around this stuff. Especially because we're getting a, a this is the Batmobile. Hey, we're minute seventy six. Here comes the Batmobile. <laughs> uh, but before we get to our, our interview with Tim, we have to talk about minute seventy six. Obviously, uh, we are this. This is fortuitous for us that we, that we can talk about these minutes with Tim because we definitely could talk about each minute of this chase sequence shot by shot. So yeah, minute seventy six. Uh, this is where we were left off. They were loading up the package with the island scientist that was we know as the Kryptonite and a missile launcher. We get a, another shot of of Batman watching this with his impossible cape. And his massive gun firing the tracker moves out. The one thing that I do want to call out here, because we, I feel like when we talk about Zack Snyder, the cinematography is so like intrinsically what we are talking about that I, I really, looking at these shots on a granular level, uh, they really stand out to me in, in a fun way. Like when, when they, you know, we have uh, KG Beast, you know, giving the move out. And the music comes in and we get these like the anamorphic lens flares and the shots of the feet running through puddles. And it's like, oh, this is like this is like an action movie now. And it's so weird that this first, I don't know, first half of the movie 
it's not really that action-packed. Yet we've had some big action yeah. scenes. I mean, we had... Um, obviously Metropolis is huge in the beginning and then you got everything in Nairobi and then, then the nightmare sequence. So there's been like some massive set pieces and, and intense action, but it's also where this cat and mouse with, um, with Lex. So the, the action kind of comes in, in chunks. And so this is yeah, kind of one of those moments where it's like, Oh no, that's right. Batman is in this movie and Batman <laughs> has a Batmobile. Yeah. <laughs> And again, I, I, you know, we should say now we know that these guys know what is coming. Uh, oh, right. In, right. In hindsight, it's, it would be like, why aren't they, man, this is just kind of like shipping a cargo container. But in reality, KG Beast and I assume everyone else knows what is coming. What is coming is either a coincidental truck or Batman's machinations are just as complicated as Lex, but I'm going to assume <laughs> that this is a bit of dramatic uh, license taken here that in the perfect moment after the truck comes way too close to that security guard for my liking, leaving the yard. I mean, these guys aren't following like union standard safety <laughs> protocols. <laughs> no, not so, at all. I mean, no, that's you how expect? you know they're criminals, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we get this incredible uh, Nicholson, right? The Nicholson Dock Company. We get the headlights announcing the arrival of the Batmobile and the car load of people who know exactly what this means begin firing <laughs> bullets and then pull away screeching tires, leaving the other car to take a, an incredible hit. The one thing I have to call out here, <laughs> there is a Wilhelm scream buried in this car flip. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there is. <laughs> And it is concealed so well and so randomly that I have to love it because it is yeah. there not for effect, but it is there explicitly to not be noticed, uh, I right. guess, except if you're watching this this movie uh, 60 seconds at a time. Yeah, well, it's like the it's the Wilhelm scream is like obligatory, right? Yeah. And so I feel like this is just like, you know what? It's got to be in there. Here's a Jokes good Jokes were made about this Wilhelm scream <laughs> in this very podcast previously. So I mean, does there is Will is Wilhelm scream widely enough known that I by feel name? you know what I I will have definitely played the audio from it so everyone will be able to hear it right now. Often because it's almost fourth wall breaking in how it's normally used, I do appreciate that. Um, yeah, they fit it in, but not but only in a way that like you notice on closer rewatch, not a way that's like distracting because it can, uh, clearly like if it was like especially placed at this moment could. Come off. Yep. Um, if if you like, if we had a bet that I needed to put a Wilhelm scream somewhere in the episode, and you knew that I hated it, <laughs> you would assume that when I play the audio of that car flipping, that I tried to conceal the Wilhelm scream in it just yeah. to pass like the requirement. It's a highlight. Um, it's an incredible car flip, and we will. I guess now is as good a time as any uh, with with this incredible first like stunt involving the Batmobile. We can we can begin the first part of our interview with with Tim talking about uh, all manner of his past work experience with Zach, the Batmobile design, the mechanics of this chase, and I guess the philosophy of both Batman and the Batmobile that that they wanted to get across. With that, listeners, uh, enjoy the first part of our discussion with with Tim Rigby. Long before Batman v Superman even you know happened, you had a, a pretty robust filmography here, and we promised we wouldn't 
take too long to, to dig into to every single nuance of all your movies, even though we'd, we'd love to, to take the time to do that. We're definitely interested in sort of your path to being in the industry and getting to, you've done a, a ton of awesome stuff. And then you started working with Zach and it seems like as tends to be a trend with people that work with Zach, they work with Zach a lot more after. Sure. Yeah. Well, my, my first movie with Zach was 300. Um, but backing up from that, Damon, I think has done, I think he's done every one of Zach's movies and they go, they go way back as did Damon and I, Damon and I got started together in the business and we sort of had parallel careers working for different guys for a while. And then on 300, the planets aligned and um, I was able to, D- Damon brought me in on 300 to be one of the Spartans. And um, that was where I first met Zach. And then from then on, the, I think after that, it was Sucker Punch. And Damon brought me on as his assistant stunt coordinator. And I sort of stayed in that role for several movies after that. We did, after that, we did Man of Steel. Then we did um, Batman vs. Superman. And we did Wonder Woman, which was Zach produced um, but didn't, um, didn't direct. And then Damon went on to do Justice League after that. I don't, I don't think I missed anything out. But you're, you're right about like, Zach's movies are like family. You see the same people. You probably heard it a hundred times, but he's the, he's the the greatest guy. If I could only ever work for one director again, it would be him. It's a pleasure to work for him. Everybody wants to you know give a hundred and ten percent. I think you see that in the films. No one's phoning it in because they just think so much of him that they um you know he they do they go the extra mile. I I think one interesting thing for uh, like I'll just say as a fan of of Zach's movies and the the different aspects of it is you wouldn't expect one director to seem as equally invested in the story side and the visual storytelling and imagery and things that he's evoking and just as much importance into the action. I think one one thing we said before, Stephen, was in some movies, it's like the script might as well say, you know, action happens. Right. (laughs) Whereas in a Zack Snyder movie and definitely in Batman v Superman and the movies that, that you listed there, they continue telling the story. And we've heard that that's also a big part of the collaboration between Zach and Damon. Can you speak to that if that is the case? I mean, it it seems like uh, Amy Adams, you know, in in a scene that is just her, uh, seems just as important to one of these Batmobile chases that are all kind of pushing in the same direction, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yes, that, that is the case. I, I mean, I've, I've had a a career so far, it's been 27 years, but I've never been, I've never sat in the room with a director. Zach leans on Damon and uh, DJ, the visual effects supervisor, and the three of them collaborate in a a way that I haven't, I've I've never seen another director collaborate to that extent with a a stunt coordinator or second year director like he does with Damon. He's Damon, I mean, you could, and it, it's just his style. Other, di- I've worked on other movies with other directors where they they barely know your name. You're just, you know, you'll you'll, and that's fine. It's not nothing personal, but you're not you don't have that level of involvement that Damon and DJ do when it comes to collaborating on these things. And it, it doesn't. It helps that they're all super fans of the subject matter as well, and they kind of you know they know the they know that all the, the history and the nuances of these comic book characters. And they're all great friends. So it's just sort of a 
perfect collaboration. I know that was one of the, we opened up the, the conversation with, with Richard Citrone by geeking out over the, the action or the figures, the, the smaller statues of, of his bat suit and, and stuff that he has, <laughs> uh, collected over the years. But I like, I am curious to know because Batman, you know, and, and Superman, like those are kind of characters that even if you're not picking up comics every week, everyone is clearly still aware of them, mainly from movies. So, for yourself, do you you have to approach it differently? I would assume if it's you know a Batman and Superman movie, uh, does it feel a little different when when you're going to set and you know you realize oh right this is this is Batman's car like you know this is Superman that's going to be in this fight scene? Absolutely, and the you know when you see the level of detail in the in the wardrobe and I mean the Batmobile itself, that Batmobile was was a incredibly well-built and designed movie prop unlike other and i kind of sidetracked here you didn't ask this but the batmobile performed and in the past what what's what's tend to have happened is my understanding is that there's been a concept of a car that looks a certain way and then they've tried to sort of shoehorn that into some frame of a vehicle um and speaking to colleagues in the business that have been the drivers of previous batmobiles they don't drive very well you know, whereas this one, Patrick Totopoulos designed the Batmobile and he is also he's kind of a gearhead. He races motorcycles. And so he's not maybe the, the the typical person from an art department. So he really wanted to integrate um, some functional aspects. And he, he drew from aviation. He drew from um, motorcycle engineering and, you know, up close on the Batmobile, there's all these features that would look like they belong on a, on a fighter jet and or a, a Supermoto a GP motorcycle. So it, it was pretty cool. And then he handed it to Dennis McCarthy, who's a pretty legendary picture car guy um, who built the car from the ground up uh, and collaborated with, um, with Patrick on it. That's pretty crazy. That was actually something I was really interested in because you've done a lot of uh, vehicle stunt scenes. How does not just like planning and, and shooting something like this, where you're where you're working with the Batmobile, how does that differ from um, from if you're if it's just a normal car? Is that do you plan the scene as if if it's a normal car, or is it and then and then just substitute the Batmobile in place, or is it? Yeah, like would would no no this is not a normal car. This is this is a Batmobile chase sequence. Yeah. Yes, we did. And because of the Zach's approach to the movies where, you know, the, the fight scenes are rehearsed extensively and the same happened with the, um, the Batmobile chase. So what, what we did, we were in Michigan. We went out to the um, Chrysler Proving Grounds, which is uh, where they test all their cars. And it's a, it's, it's a huge facility, but it's also very secret because they test prototype cars out there that they don't want the prying eyes of the press to take pictures of these cars before they're ready to release them. So it was a perfect location, has a has a racetrack on it, has a giant skid pad, has a banked um, half of a banked oval. You know, the, this is a one off. The, there was two Batmobiles, but it was a one off. The build was 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 a one off. It wasn't um, a production vehicle. So we had to do some testing. We had to do a ton of testing and to figure out how to get this thing to perform correctly, what tire pressures we would put in what um 
how much pressure we would put in the braking system, dialing the suspension in and the airbags. And to begin with, it was quite difficult to drive. It was quite a challenge until we, we went through this process of dialing it in. Um, so for the chase itself, it was a very big vehicle. It was very wide. And it, was, it, it, it performed very well, but it was very difficult to see out of. The visibility was very poor. So we set up every single street, every corner that that Batmobile drifts was replicated on the skid pad with measurements and with cones. And we had um, the exact distances. We had the exact speeds, whatever gear we were in. We, we took, I mean, I have a, a notebook. I still have it just for nostalgia of entry speeds into the corner, what gear the Batmobile was in, um, exit speeds of the corner. Everything was measured with a radar gun because it didn't have a speedometer. And, you know, whether it can make this corner at this speed with a wet down, without a wet down, you know, there was a lot of blowing through cones, which we, we couldn't afford to do that. We couldn't afford it's a million dollar vehicle. So the, the pressure in driving it is not just making it look good and getting it drifting around these corners, but not not wrapping it around a pole and, and you know, damaging it, which, you know, was would be a big drain on production to have to now go and fix it and scramble, which, you know, which happens, but, you know, this was a bit unique. It wasn't just like another, you know, another car where you just go, go get me another one because there's, we, you know, we have a few. The Batmobile in the scene then is the same, like there wasn't like a stunt version, like a, like a more compact or a smaller one that you'd use for stunts. It was all the same vehicle. Well, no, that's a good question. There was, so all of the Batmobile, most of the Batmobile driving is the actual vehicle, but we did have a, what we called the Smashmobile, which was, <laughs> it was built on a dually and it had, so DJ was, had some requirements so that it made his job of digitally building the Batmobile on top of this facsimile, which this was only used for when the Batmobile crashed into stuff. And it had a sort of wedge front on it, and it was roughly the same dimensions as the Bat Batmobile. The, the dually has a different wheelbase, and it's not as wide. So using roll cage tubing, the, the, there was sort of arches put on it for wheel arches. And then this metal shovel at the front that was at quite an angle. And we did some testing with that, where I just drove this thing 40 miles an hour into a parked car. <laughs> and... and I mean, a stripped park car, and I have had video of it. It just lifts the thing up in the air, and it goes right underneath it. It just scoops it up and over. And so we use the Smashmobile because it's an open wheel car. You can't, you literally can't bump and grind at all with with the real Batmobile. Normally, I, I would think that I have some sense of how these kind of sequences are planned out ahead of time and, and prepped in that. But it feels like you're talking with a completely different game sometimes when you have Zach and Damon and DJ. We know that. The amount of time, you know, that this is going to be taking up in the movie is more thought out in the kind of the, the pacing and the beats to hit and the probably the music, you know, <laughs> involved at some point. So we, we went through some of that with, with Richard about putting together the different fight sequences that are, you know, actual like hand to hand choreography. How is it for this kind of sequence? Like, you know, you're going to have a Batmobile sequence. I guess, obviously, like you, you have to have one, but I know Steven always comes with the more, uh, like, how was this pitched to you? 
Yeah, well, I love how talking to people that, that work with Zach, I love saying, because everyone seems to agree that there's a, it's his vision and it's in his head already. And it's just your job to kind of help realize it or help him like get it to screen. So when he says, like, I want a Batmobile scene, what does he, does he tell you? Like, did he give you like a list of priorities or did he just like, what kind of, what, what does that pitch kind of look like? As far as I remember for that, he, you know, there was a, there was going to be a, be- a beginning and an end, like the start of the chase. And then the, the uh, you know, the end where the, the Batmobile just needed to be this vehicle of destruction that just was unstoppable and created all this mayhem until it came, comes into contact with the man of steel. So that juxtaposition had to be really evident that it was blasting, you know, semi trucks. It was going through walls. It was, it was just wasn't even hesitating when it was smashing yeah. through this stuff. And at the end, when it runs into Superman, it stops dead and is damaged. So that needed to be a, a it, it, the, the might of the Batmobile had to sort of be on display so that it was really significant when it hits Superman at the end. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's actually fascinating because th- this scene specifically tends to draw a lot of debate because I mean, as anyone that has sort of listened to our show knows, we've spent a lot of episodes kind of building up the character of Batman and how he's kind of fueled by rage and maybe preserving people's lives isn't as much of a priority for him <laughs> yeah. as um, maybe other iterations have been. And, you know, he's kind of singular, singularly focused here. And so there's all that destruction and like there's some some lives of these criminals are lost in that process. So it really makes sense that that would be done then to show he goes through all of these goons and then and then superman superman finally stops it was there a was there any discussion over the um sort of the fatalities that were incurred like not just the property damage but the fact that people were were dying and the planning was that anything that was is that kind of a consequence of other decisions or was that something that was um determined as a story point no i don't really remember the that was sort of left unsaid i mean they never focused on you know, dead bodies in there. <laughs> much, right. of, much of that stuff is like pretty clearly unsurvivable. But I think Zach said in his, uh, he did a commentary recently and he said, Oh, those guys are fine. We just didn't show the shot of them getting up and limping off. Right. After- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you originally asked about, so the, the, now the planning is, is probably, probably amuse you. But so Damon and I, Damon and I sat down and this happens with all, um, car chases you sit down with toy cars and you, um, you start going through, you know, people stumble across grown men in the office on their knees with just <laughs> these toy cars. It's, it's kind of comical. And, and it, then it extended into once we feel like we have something worth pitching, we go into Zach's office and we're all, all three of us are on our hands and knees with the toy cars. <laughs> and um, it really is pretty comical, but um, that's how it's done. And then Zach will put his input. Or how about, you know, he'll, he'll give his creative, um, requests and as long as they can be logistically accommodated with the vehicles, of course we're all in. But he, you know, he's Damon and Zach are on the same page. So when Damon pitches something, it doesn't usually doesn't get drastically altered. And mm. with, and I know this is about the car stuff, but when it comes to the the fight stuff, I mean, unlike other directors as well, Zach literally is down there with the video camera filming the previses. I mean, it's. Yeah. It's a, it's kind of shot. Once the previs, it becomes the Bible. It's kind of becomes shot for shot in the movie, 
Um, we weren't quite able to do that with the Batmobile chase because we didn't know what, you know, Zach was miles away at this Chrysler proving ground. So uh, we, we, we shot reference footage so he could see what it would do, but we didn't attempt to try to, you know, cut together a, a, a Batmobile previs. Um, that wasn't, that wasn't really logistically on, on the table to do that. Yeah. I was really curious because yeah, with the, with the, the sort of previs process and then the fact that you had to like stress test the Batmobile in a way, how much did that kind of in, influence the, the planning? Did you have a pretty intricate scene and then only to find out, Oh, Hey, maybe we can't make that corner as tight as we wanted to and have to adjust. Or did you, it's kind of, I feel like a, a little bit of chicken or an egg in, okay, here's what we want it to look like. And then kind of, you have to find out later what the full capacities of this vehicle are. That's, that's a good question. It was sort of chicken and egg. It was, we'd, we'd walk, we'd go on a location scout. We'd walk the area. Um, simultaneously, I had been out with the, testing the Batmobile with the, with, with the whole crew of mechanics and other drivers. Um, I wasn't the only driver of the Batmobile. So we'd sort of have our best guess and an intersection, you know, Zach, well, how about through here? And then we'd, we might say something like, well, we could, but we're going to have to drive this kind of slowly. It depends what you want out of it. If you want it wild and sideways, um, we might want to pick another one. But, you know, we'd sort of throw that back to him. And then we'd, I'd take measurements and then we'd go back out to the proving grounds and just see what we could do in that intersection with cones. When, it, when it's actually shot, is it done is that full speed or, or do you, do you alternate between like half speed for some stuff and then fix that in, in post or, or what, what kind of, how, like how fast is this car going when it goes around, around corners or on straightaways? It's not, I don't, to my knowledge, I don't think anything, I don't think the, um, anything is sped up. I think there, there may be some slowed down at times. I, I got to, I don't really look at that actually, but in, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think anything's sped up. That usually looks. I mean, that was a thing that was done. You have to be careful doing that. It can look can look weird. Did you look at any uh, reference for when you were kind of piecing this together? I know there is kind of a a whole host of Batman Batmobile sequences of of how other people have kind of depicted that car. Like you're saying, you know, a Smash Mobile. A lot of people. I think that's what Christopher Nolan and, and Christian Bale's was famous for in Batman Begins was being a, a tank. I'm asking, is, is there like prior cinematic inspiration? Yeah, or? trying to visualize it. Uh, is it purely in um, in in demonstrating as opposed to pointing to other reference footage? We didn't really. Um, I mean, we we were aware of the other footage. I don't think. Um, I think this was a bit more clean sheet, um, without any disrespect to previous Batman movies. But we did. I mean. We did a ton of research on car chase of all the greatest car chases we'd seen, and you know everyone draws inspiration off off other movies. That's what we do. So I mean, so we were just um, devouring, you know, French Connection and Ronin totally. and um, you know Italian Job and just like everything to to try to see what we could come up with that was unique. But just, but again, drawing inspiration off um, some of the amazing work that's been done in the past. It's funny because while it's a very different energy because it's smashing through a wall and and going through a warehouse, that that shot where he uh, the Batmobile splits off and goes into um, goes through the wall and then up that little ramp always did remind me a little bit of the Italian job <laughs> of the of the Mini Coopers <laughs> going through the uh, different obstacles in there. So I don't know if that was particular inspiration from that, but it has been something that comes to my mind when I watch it. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I don't um, qu quite possibly subconsciously. Yeah, we watch so much stuff and, and again and again. And what is the amount of time that that you're? I don't think we've put it like a date or a amount of days that you are prepping compared to, I guess, doing night shoots out uh, in the cold. <laughs> yeah. What is, is it like, is it a matter of uh, like weeks prep for, for days shooting? Or I think the average person can't really get a, a handle of the amount of time that goes into to this kind of stuff, let alone fight choreography. Well, the, I mean, the, the prep on the movie in general, I think we prepped for almost nine months. I think it might have even been, we had a bit of a break because the weather was so cold. You may have heard we had to shut down for a bit because it just was impossible. We went on some scouts and it was particularly, Michigan's cold anyway in the winter, but it was so cold. I think the producers and Zach made, came to the realization is we can't film when it's this cold. It's not going to be, batteries weren't working. No one could recognize each other because everyone's in tarpers, <laughs> dressed like a Antarctic oil rig worker. You know, it's, um, but the, so the movie prep for, I think nine months, yeah, we and the bat. I think the Batmobile sequence. I, I seem to remember we that was nine, ten, nine or ten days, I, I believe. Uh, along with uh, well, with all the car stuff, the, all the because we did shoot the. Um, yeah, I think it was nine or ten days, and but months of prep out. You know, going out to the proving ground and. Uh, you know, we, I'm sort of jumping around here, but there's times when we went out to the proving ground and we had a mechanical issue and a whole day was shot. We got there and we're like, right. we can't do anything today. And we're like, you know, there was a lot of that. There was a lot. And in the very beginning, the Batmobile, until we tweaked and dialed it in, it didn't perform. It didn't do what we needed it to do at all. So we, we you know, there was a little bit of a worry there because it was a process till we bit by bit, gr gradually with some collaborating, figured it out what, how to get the, get it to perform the way we wanted the the fish on a line we called it where the batmobile sort of harpoons that <laughs> one car yep. that's what we kept referring it to that was something we sort of uh, had a lot of fun toying with and um because we thought well that that that's creating mayhem in lots of different ways now not just what it smashes into but what it just what it wields that thing like a mace as it as it's driving through just you know just annihilating everything in its in its wake Right. Well, we hope that you're enjoying our conversation, but we have to take a break at some point because the movie is moving on to the next minute with the car flip that we mentioned. The car flip actually basically kicks off the chase. In terms of the theater of the movie, the, the Batmobile has now taken the stage and we are going to get a whole lot more of it with a whole lot more to talk about. That will be coming in minute 77. Until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at BVS by the minute. You can Subscribe to our podcast on, on iTunes where you can leave reviews or in your preferred platform. And um, we have a lot more fun coming up with, with Tim. So please stay tuned for minute 77 when this Batmobile goes fishing. Yeah, actually, that's exactly what it does. <laughs> <laughs> 